In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... to you this week by John Ronald Ruel Tolkien. Welcome into episode 79 of The Gospel Friends. I'm reverend, concise, and to the point. And I'm Janet, I don't know what I'm doing here, Thompson. And I'm Lisa, the only female, the general fears Jenkins. (laughs) And whose name is that? Okay, surely you know whose name it is. Well, Why? whose name is it's that? J.R.R., which is what I wanted to say, but David insisted I say all of those names, which could lead to his name, Rev Verbage. And Allison always does what I ask because of, you know, that whole submission thing. <laughs> oh, so, hey, wait, 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 we're not what? to that article yet. We're oh, still in the intro. <laughs> so what does J.R.R. Tolkien have to do with episode 79? This is where you tell him. That sounds like a person who's listened to this podcast before. Well done, Lisa. <laughs> Well, four and counting. Uh, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, this is one of David's favorite quotes. I did not know this. All that is gold does not glitter. Mm-hmm. By by Tolkien. That's right. Which which um, story was that in? What? <laughs> David told you that was one of his favorite quotes. That's one well, of Lamar's favorite quotes. Yeah, Lamar that does sounds like more that about right. And what does that have to do with seventy nine? Well. According to David, yes. the atomic number for gold is 79. Well, it's not according to David. It's according to whoever wrote the atomic element <laughs> no, chart. I didn't know you were the, a chemist. The periodic David. table of elements. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so you get it. So 79 gold, that quote. Allison is still talking. So, Allison, is it true that David told you exactly what to say for the intro? Yeah, because I would have never come up with that. That was <laughs> rabbit trails. Even I can't follow reading what he's written right here for me. <laughs> That's the thing you mean. So if, if you had to go with something 79, what would be your – is that Me? a good year for you in your life or is that oh. – 79. 79. Um, yeah, it was a good year. She was, was one. one. I'm sure she remembers a lot of it. <laughs> I, I got nothing else. Like what do you want from me? Hey, um, I have a question. Oh, I'm between, sure you do. Between Janet and Lisa, who has actually listened to this podcast the most? I think I've had about three or four. Yeah, three or four. Three or four. That's strong, ladies. That is strong. Three or four out of seventy-nine. That's good. Why is it? Well, technically, on this show, she's listened to a lot more than that, right? Rachel listens every week. Studio audience, Rachel. That would be episode seventy-nine. Should have been brought to us by estrogen. There's a lot of it (laughs) in the room today. (laughs) Janet, who do you think (laughs) episode seventy-nine should have been brought to us by? Well, uh, if I read what you wrote, shut up. <laughs> would be about the 1979 Alabama championship. Oh Lord, nice. <laughs> you should have known that was coming, David. <laughs> they would have. But I didn't. I didn't write that. That was totally what you thought we should do so, it about, of right? Of course, I keep up with all of those championship years and remember them from year to year. All right, episode 79 of the Gospel Friends. Uh, Lisa, why don't you give our contact info? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I will once Nate gives it to me. Lisa's like, I could not find the gospel friends with two hands, a flashlight, a map. Well, Nick didn't forward her the article with the contact information. (laughs) She doesn't even even know what we're talking about. Will you hit him with that Coke can, please? (laughs) It has stuff in it. Stop. Go ahead. uh, All right. You can contact us (laughs) on social media at My Gospel Friends. On the Twitter. On the tw- on the Twitter. The Twitter. No, yep. no. It's the just Twitter. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Just, nice. I tried. I tried to get them. You're welcome, Angel. Angel. Passion. There you go. Get fired and up. At Facebook.com. On on Facebook. On Facebook. Uh, yeah. Dot com slash groups slash Hall of Dogma. I said that wrong, didn't I? <laughs> no, you got it. it I wish you'd said HTTP. <laughs> <laughs> or you Holden. can go. Or you can just go to HallofDogma.com. Hall of Dogma. Or at voicemail. Mm. At oh, wait. You have to say this is in it name. Is that voicemail? You have to do the Nick uh, voicemail oh, voice. It's got to be kind of like a fish. It's got to okay. be a little sexy. So you can leave like, us like, a voice. You voicemail. can't say that. Oh, sorry. I just did. You can leave oh. us a voicemail at 205-575-9735 or SpeakPipe. What is SpeakPipe for, Lisa? <laughs> I have I, no idea. I'm laughing so hard right now thinking about Nathan and Emmanuel <laughs> cursing and forwarding. <laughs> and, and posting positive reviews in the Hall of Dogma. And reminding people of why they hate women or listening to women Ooh. or something Speaking like that. Speaking of hating women, our, our topic for discussion today is, <laughs> is the Hall <laughs> of Dogma saying. overly misogynistic? Uh, Lisa, we'll go to you first. Which none of us even know what that word means. Well, yes, I'm we going to have to leave in a few no. minutes so I can make some sandwiches <laughs> and watch the kids. <laughs> awesome. I'm not sure that was sarcasm, but it's a good answer. <laughs> what kind of sandwiches are you going to make? I want well, to say the ones Emmanuel doesn't like. That sounds good. <laughs> hey, all right, so um, who, whose idea was it to have girls on here? The Atwoods. Well, it, the Atwoods wanted to have girls on here. That, that's right. Other I people, did say popular demand. There were several people that clamored for having more female right, This co-hosts. was my comment to Nick. Why would you post something about what we're going to do on this podcast in the place uh, where people most hate this podcast, which is the Hall of Dogma. <laughs> I just, I just kind of like a train wreck. I like to watch the world burn. All right, so, so our our wives are here today, and we're we're very glad they are. Well, not our wives, like you know. Well, where I mean, please get out of this. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's not like we share wives or anything. It's, no, it's, it's, it's not like no, that. At okay. All. No. all right, so each of us have a one wife, and that one wife is here today. That's right. Okay. That's right. So, um, and we're going to talk about a topic in a moment that is, um, uh, okay, so should our spouse be our best friend? Because there is someone out in Christendom who thinks your spouse should not be your best friend. Chase is going to tell us about that in a moment. Nick is holding up plastic Chris Atwood to the microphone. And Lisa is delighted by that. I'm, I can tell. Lisa's well, scrolling Facebook. Playing I'm playing. I'm looking at what everybody yeah, said about on. us. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm trying to think you of don't what read Plastic right Chris now. Atwood would say Lisa. about the, the show right now. David, what would Plastic Chris Atwood Plastic Chris Atwood say about the show right now? Um, <laughs> good show so far. I'm making memes on it or something like that. <laughs> All right, so, so Lisa was pointing. In fairness, Lisa was pointing at our. Um, wow, there there are things that. We're just natural to us about the studio that now that I have to explain them, 
I'm not sure what to say, but Lisa was asking about the action figures that we have in the Hall of Dogma. I just Mascots. wondered why you had a Mascots. Jesus. Well, it's not it's Jesus. Not Jesus. It's, John, it's the John the Baptist. Yeah, we're not comfortable with the idea that it's a graven image. So, yeah, if it was Jesus, it might be right. appropriate. Okay. So it's it's uh, yeah, John the Baptist, and this is plastic. Chris Atwood. Yep. Yes. All right. So for those who the wrestler, I couldn't. <laughs> See, you you're bringing Chris Atwood. You're bringing logic yeah, into this. He's a wrestling pastor from uh, Indiana. No, he's not. He he's in Ohio, but he's from Indiana. But he's his in church Ohio is in Ohio. Now. Okay. All right, so we're doing we're doing this podcast today, episode seventy nine. Yep. In just a moment, we're going to discuss whether or not you already said that your spouse should be your best friend, yeah, or yeah. you should have best friends who are of the same sex. And then later on in the show, we have question of the week from listener Rachel, who happens to be in the podcast studio with us. Hey, today. listener of the week, what about that? As far as coincidences go, how about that? Her question is: Would it be better for a child to not be adopted? Or to be adopted by a same-sex couple. So we, we've got question. Of, question. We got question of the week later on, and also did we not tell you that question of the week is supposed to be lighthearted and easy to answer? Oh, and also everyone's favorite segment. What were you thinking? Yeah. All right, but before we before we get to the to the segment with our wives, uh, we have some fan mail that's actually addressed to our wives. I did, so apparently, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. So people apparently who. Um, Heard they were going to be on the show, wrote in. So we're going to uh, – actually, this one's for Lisa first. This is Brad from Arkansas. Okay. Uh, oh. Brad from Arkansas writes in. He says, Lisa, uh, do you have any advice for wives who may be dealing with husbands who enjoy wacky weed a little too much? <laughs> well, this, this is a really good question, Brad. Do you – any uh, – he's just curious. Do you have any, you know, anything you could share <laughs> out counsel. of your experience? Counsel? Um I mean, buy a lot of Doritos. What do you? <laughs> how do you handle? You don't have anything. She's she's laughing a lot. All right, Brad. Do you think she's been dipping into the wacky tobacco too? <laughs> okay. Well, I have, we may come back to you if you have something in a moment. We can come back to you. Uh, let's go to Janet. Wow. Janet. Uh, oh boy. By coincidence. My gun? By coincidence, another Brad. Brad from Trustful writes in. Brad from Trustful says, Janet. Uh, I have not seen Chase in 10 hours. What makes you think you can hog him all the time? Why do you get to spend so much time with him Um, and not me? Janet, what would you say to Brad from Trustful? I didn't even know we had a Brad from Trustful. Just say we'll see him tonight. You don't have to talk. (laughs) Yeah. Are you going to watch the Sunday Night Football game? Nothing. Absolutely. We always do. I mean, it's football season. It's not like tennis season when we can just get together a couple of nights a week. We have yeah. to do it over the weekends. Okay. Uh, one more for you. Uh, apparently, uh, you know, they didn't want to leave you out. Um, John from Florida writes in and says, Allison, what is the best thing about being married to Rev Verbage? <laughs> I have no words because he takes them all. Oh, you don't need words. Okay. <laughs> That's right. beautiful. Well, that's that good for uh, that fan good. mail today. That's great. That was good. Chase. That was, that was a good segment. Okay, so <laughs> we do have our wives here today, and we do have a very serious topic of conversation, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. But first off, we're going to start off with kind of a kind of a warm-up question oh, just to, to get everybody going. So this is a multiple choice. We'll go to the guys first uh, just to let the ladies kind of think about it. All right, so multiple choice question. In terms of uh, frequency of marital intimacy, and David, we'll, we'll let you handle this one first. Uh, 
It, what is what is the best number? Is it A, five times a week, B, seven times a week, or C, nine plus times a week? Uh, best is in just best? I, ideal. Ideal? Know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, you said five, seven, or nine? Yeah, five, seven, or nine. Nine plus. Nine plus. Nine plus, yep. Okay, so ideally, I, I would go with... Uh, Nine plus. Okay, that's a good answer. Okay. Solid, solid. Nick, over to you. So you said best. Now, if you ask preference, there's there's an answer. Well, if you basically, ask best, I'm, there's a different answer. I'm basing this off a survey of uh, 10,000 Christian marital counselors. That's actually a good point. Yes. Yeah. 10,000 Christian marital counselors? Yeah, this is at 10,000christianmaritalcounselors.org. Uh, okay. You, you don't look that up. <laughs> Is that like the domain name that sent me a PayPal just, payment the other day? Just, you know, trust me. Nine plus. What do you think? Okay, nine I'm plus actually going to agree with David on ideal, sure. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Well, uh, it sounds like we're all in agreement on that. Uh, I would also say C, nine plus. All right, let's go to ladies. Uh, Allison, <laughs> what's, what's your take, A, B, or C? D. D. What was D? D is 15 <laughs> plus... Okay. All right. Well, Congratulations, David. Oh, no, no. Okay, I think we're all warmed up now. It's time for uh, the the real segment. You really it feels a little chilly in here now. You didn't ask anybody else. Yeah, really? I'm a little afraid, uh, just to be honest with you, to ask anybody else. Um, okay, so that was awesome. Is that making the show? It totally should make the show. Hey, we are recording. All right, by the way. All right. So this week on the blog, uh, I wonder when Rachel's coming back. <laughs> we we briefly ran off our uh, our college student. Uh, <laughs> well, when? There. when? I, don't know, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> when Chase? This began is going to be an outtake rich show. Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay, so because Chase didn't see the small child. Hey, shut anymore. up! Sorry. Okay. Too much behind the scenes information. So this week, hey, Lisa's on leaving the Reformation Twenty One blog. Mark Jones had a question that he wrestled with. Uh, basically, uh, as Rev Verbage told us earlier, the question we're going to wrestle with as spouses and uh, couples today is, should your spouse be your best friend? And I'll read you a little excerpt from Jones's article. And if so, how many times a week should they be your best friend? <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great way of thinking about it, David. Um, but but I I will give you the chance since you're so eager I'll give you the chance to answer first. But okay. I, let me let me read a little ex, uh, excerpt from Jones's article. This is what he says. As my Facebook friend Peter Wallace says, it is only in the last generation or so that you will find people talking about their spouses as their best friends. Until the late 20th century, your best friends were all the same gender as you. I fear that the result of quote I married my best friend is that most people do not have strong friendships outside of their marriage which is disastrous for marriage since we need friends who know us well to help our marriage when we are in trouble. I wonder if anyone has studied the correlation between, quote, marrying your best friend and divorce rates. Now, let me pause very briefly there and say that this discussion is not precipitated by anybody we know personally that has posted something on Facebook or social media or whatever about their wife being their best friend. If you've posted that, I have not seen it in the last few months. So 
So I know there's somebody out there that's posted that, that's, that's listening to the show, and they're like, dang, man, they're, they're calling me out. Not doing that. Haven't seen your post. This is just kind of a uh, theoretical sort of discussion. Should your spouse be your best friend? Over to you, Rev Verbage. Well, I, I've never actually had a best friend, so I'm not really sure what that is. Maybe somebody could explain it to me, and then I'd be able to tell you whether or not I well, think it's your wife should be. It's kind of the person be. you hang out with and watch football games and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Oh, well, then I, my wife would be my best friend because, you know, I don't, I don't have any guys that I do that with. <laughs> you sound wounded. Me and Nathan really appreciate you sound wounded, that, by David. the way. Most, most of all, yeah, I, one night I had a best friend who was a guy. Hey, um, if only somebody I appreciate had the invite you to watch Survivor Series tonight. And... Uh, you mean last week with Survivor Series? You said it was tonight. Um, Crap. <laughs> <laughs> this is that gets us on the second episode every time. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The train wreck is strong in this episode. Okay. What do you think, Allison? <laughs> should your spouse be your yeah, best friend? Yeah, should your spouse be your best friend? What's your comments? Well, I can't just give you one answer. Okay, we'll give multiple answers. That would be what I would do. It would be what you would do. <laughs> well, I think a spouse is different from a friend. It's not the same. It doesn't belong in the same category. Can you expound on that? Um, Maybe. Yeah, this is a talk show, so uh, I know. you know the legacy you have in front of you is somebody who has the ability to say a lot. Of course, you're reverend, concise, and, and quick, so that was definitely keeping yeah. with your name. So there you go. It's not in the same category. So your spouse should not be your best friend because it's not, not the I same I don't know. Thing. I haven't answered that question in my mind yet. Okay. All right, so m- one of my thoughts is that um, there are things. Uh, there is obviously a relationship that you have with your spouse that you don't have with anyone else. You shouldn't have with anyone else. Um, And so there are things that Allison knows about me that nobody else knows or will know. But there are things that I don't believe I should talk to her about. For example, if if I was dealing with uh, a strong lust issue while I think Allison should be aware of that for the for the sake of uh, of her knowing, uh, you know what I'm struggling with, I don't think she should be my accountability partner. Agreed. So I don't think she should be the one person that I go to and say, uh, "Man, really struggling today. Really had a problem today with lust or something like that." I ultimately think she's not. Um, I don't think she's built to handle that and serve me in that way. And I think ultimately that would bring harm to her. So I think there are roles and responsibilities um, that I need men to fulfill in terms of you know being a friend, being a, being a you know brother in Christ, iron sharpening iron. Um, and I think I need that, and it needs to be someone apart from my wife. Okay, so you're saying relative to things like accountability and such that uh, a man needs a a male best friend, a woman needs a female best friend. Uh, Let me read a little bit more from what Mr. Jones said, and then Lisa, if you're up for it, I'll I'll go to you next to to comment. 
He said, a close friend said to me recently, it's odd to say that your wife is your best female friend. She belongs to a category entirely her own. That's what Allison said. We have various kinds of friends with women, but we only have sex with our wife. That is a deal changer. We are far more guarded with other women, we as in males, husbands, and rightfully so. Thus, the husband-wife relationship cannot be compared to any other human relationship. An excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. To speak of your wife in categories that apply to other relationships is to denigrate both her and others. Lisa, what do you think about that? I'd like to point out, I'm sorry. I interrupt. I just like to point out Nick. Nick appears to be very confused <laughs> by something you just said, and uh, I, I don't know what threw him off. But um, it was somewhere around where you were talking about the people you have sex with. People you have sex with. Okay. <laughs> Nick appeared to be. I, I don't. We might need to clarify. Jones, I had a presupposition I'll write, I'll write. from Reformation <laughs> Twenty One that it was a Christian site, Mr. Jones not a Mormon had, site. I'm and re- so I read the article as it's written. I think he was being Mr. I obvious. There is, the guy writing no, no, the article. Listen, <clears> I think what there's a typo. He says we have various kinds of friends with women, but we only have sex with our wife. I think what he means is we have various kinds of friendships with women, but we only have sex with our wife. To clarify. I assume that's what Mr. Jones says. And I wasn't asking, Lisa, I wasn't asking you in particular about that kind of question. That is self-evident. I am asking you specifically to respond to this, to speak of your wife in categories that apply to other relationships. In other words, to say my wife is my best friend is to almost insult her. What do you, how, how do you respond to that? I don't think it's insulting to say that your wife is your best friend. Nick and I started off as best friends before we even started dating. So I can safely say that Nick is one of my best friends. I think that going back to something that was said earlier in the article, that people started using that term in the 20s because maybe marriages were more arranged. They weren't necessarily based on feelings. as much before that, where coming out of, you know, into some of the more modern ages, I guess is what you could say, people were making more their own decisions on who they were marrying. Therefore, they were marrying people that they were friends with. Are you bringing logic and history to our show? I am a teacher. Those are things that Those are things that uh, usually are not found here. <laughs> All right. Janet. What do you think about this discussion? Should your spouse be your best friend, or do you think uh, Mark Jones is right to sort of raise the alarm against that kind of thinking? Well, I think that I don't. I don't know if I like the terminology. I think your spouse you're very intimately connected with, um, but I don't. I mean, I don't really like the use of the term best friends anyway. I mean, I think we are all blessed with a lot of just really close. To, really close friends. Do you prefer besties to best friends then? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, do, I mean, to have a close, to have close friends, your spouse is obviously, I mean, I just feel like that's a, like Allison said earlier, it's a different, it's a different category. Um, I mean, like, if, if, I might talk to some of my close female friends about things that I wouldn't, that you wouldn't relate to, like issues of hormones or vitamin supplements or, you know, I mean. I'm an expert in all those categories. I wouldn't talk to you about <clears throat> progesterone or anything like that. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> 
But I mean, you know, there's there are conver- in, there are things that what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> it just got real, Nick. <laughs> it did, I mean, okay. it, there are things that females would have a conversation with that you wouldn't really delve into that kind of stuff with your husband. Amen. And, and I mean, and the same goes for for men. And so, I mean. But but at the same time, my I prefer you know I enjoy spending time with my husband and above you know, above others. So I think it's just a terminology of way of phrasing it. I think an interesting question would be: Should your spouse be your closest relationship, closest human relationship? I, I would say uh, th- that's a great question. I, I personally would say yes to that. But I, I would I would tend to agree with Mark Jones in this area that men and I see I see this a lot I see men in, in particular I don't think this is nearly as big a concern for women I see men who are isolated from other men and and, and indeed in practicality senses their wife is the only person they really hang out with and, and I gotta say. Uh, you, you know, people will listen to this and say, you know, they might say, well, dang, what do I do about it? The fact of the matter is, and I can't speak for women, women, you, oh, you ladies might say that we, y'all need it too, but men need to be in deep relationship with other men. They need to be challenged by other men. They need to be able to have confessional, which is, is something David brought up uh, earlier, they need to have con- a confessional type relationship with other men, where they say, "Hey, brother, this is, this is something I'm struggling with, and, and I need to share it with you." There's some things I'm struggling with. If I share it with you, Janet, as my spouse, it will either hurt you or wrongly burden you, and and, and not make things better. The fact of the matter is, it, the, 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 those kind of things would be much better shared with Nick or David, and, and I should essentially shield you from for those type of things. But I see a lot of men, I say a lot, I see a fair amount of men that don't seem to have uh, a, a relationship like that with anybody but their spouse. And, and I don't necessarily want to raise a, an alarm about that, but I would say to the guys that are listening to this, you need one or more friends in your life that are not just your spouse. That's, I I think you're right. That is the closest connection, David. But uh, uh, guys need FaceTime with other guys. But but what you're talking about... That's my take, at least. But what you're talking about there is not also... You're not advocating for hiding things from Janet, but it's it's an issue of the, the weight of issues, maybe, rather than the awareness of issues. Um, there's some things that I'm going to go to David about. I'll go to you or, you know, the guys in carpool or whatever, not dissimilar to how Janet was describing. There's just some things that Lisa could make me aware of that. I just don't have context for understanding or appreciation, the effect they would have. And likewise, there are things that in what you're talking about, about that, the weight, I think you use that word, uh, maybe not, but the burden, um, not wanting to burden, that's also not an excuse to hide things from your spouse, I wouldn't think. And I don't think that's what you're advocating for. Am I, am I missing? You know, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm fairly, what do you say? I'm, I feel like I'm over-transparent sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily saying hiding. Yeah, you are. But, but I am saying shielding. Okay, I like the, I like shielding. I, I, I don't mind. Yeah. So it's we, not we, an excuse to be disingenuous. We had a friend who, um, there was a guy that, just a friend of mine that, um, <laughs> 
ran into an uh, issue with pornography, and um, it, it came to light. And, you know, the, you know essentially, you know, his wife knew about the issue, and he, he had a best friend, like he had a guy who just kind of took the reins to say, I'm going to help you in, with accountability in this area. And, and his wife was, like, rested in that. She did not want to know every time he had a failure or every time he had a temptation in that way. What she knew was that their friend or his friend was going to be checking on him, was going to – they were going to be having conversations, and she rested in that knowledge that that he was going to um, uh, kind of take the lead there. Uh, she said it, it would have wrecked me to know every time he had a temptation in this area. It would have wrecked me emotionally. So she rested in that relationship that he had um, with his friend who was holding him accountable. And and so you know, those are those are those areas I was speaking of earlier where I think there there are those relationships that you need. Um, but we're speaking a lot of it in in a in a spiritual sense, and and I do think he he talks about it in the article in just a practical sense that there are th- th- this podcast may be a little bit of a an example, but when guys get together, there is typically a level of goofiness and <laughs> you know humor immaturity immaturity. They're just <laughs> but but. Things that we enjoy and I think are helpful and just getting together with the guys and being guys that women don't get and don't understand. And I, I don't know what women do when they get together. but um, Well, they, they talk about hormones and what was the other thing? <laughs> Progesterone. Progesterone. So, like, I think it goes beyond. We're learning a lot today. I think it goes just beyond. Um, that spiritual aspect. I think there's a practical aspect of guys do need, I think, that time to just be around other guys and do what guys do. And, you know, one of the things that Allison and I, I mean, we have five kids. We've been married for 17 years. We are, you know, we homeschool. Um, uh, yeah, well, it's that whole one flesh thing. Uh, so that means we homeschool. Okay, Allison homeschools. <laughs> I work full time, pastor. We have a ministry that we do together. We're very busy, but one of the things that we have attempted to do in you know recent years is really give each other time to have relationships and time with our friends. Um, so for the, me, that may be doing this podcast or going out um, with a guy small group that I'm a part of or just going in and hanging out with a buddy if I could find a buddy to hang out with. Uh, and <laughs> Allison, on the other hand, it may be going to get – Hashtag wounded. It may be going to get <laughs> really, coffee bro? with really? someone. It may be – we've tried to build that into our schedule, and it, it does take intentionality. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important. So I think it's beyond just those spiritual uh, benefits. And I think you're right in that – and he talks about in the article – Sometimes the my wife is my best friend may mean you you just don't have deep relationships outside of your spouse. Again, I don't think I'm close closer to anyone on earth than I am Allison, and I don't think that, that will ever change. But I do need guy friends and time to do guy things. And 
Um, I, th- I think that's something that I need, and I think all guys need that, and I think you should make time for that in, in your marriages. I agree with that, but I also would say that you have to be careful about balance and not let it become more to take away, you know, like I'm always going out with the guys or, you know, like, or like if for the female. If you're married, dude, you can't always be going out right. with the guys. Or, you're married. Or I can't always be having, you know, going out for, co- you know, with coffee with, with my friends as well. Yeah. I mean, we have to balance that with, you know, them, you know, prioritizing marriage. Um, so I guess, you know, I agree with that just to keep that in in the proper place. What gets complicated with this for the three of our families, as well as a lot of the families I'm sure that listen to the show is when you throw the ministry card on the table. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we talk about this being a fun thing that we do with our friends and that is true. There's also ministry aspect to our time here. Um, Some of the things that pull you away, gentlemen, or would pull you away. I know from different occasions, ladies are ministry. So how, how does that balance can I'll you know I'll throw it to the, the ladies first to kind of speak to that the you know a lot of the times with things we're asking for are not just hang out with the guys I mean it's um, I need to drop everything there's someone in the congregation that relies on me or another ministry that I'm a part of you know that we need to serve how does that complicate that dynamic I'll I'll speak to that first I would say that I know. Years ago, when David said that he felt called into ministry, one of the things that I feel like God told me was that my role was to support him in that. So not necessarily, you know, we don't do, we do some ministry together, Mm -hmm. but not everything we do are we ministering together. And so for those times that we're not ministering together, my role, I feel like, is to support him in that. And so if that means allowing time for him to be away to do those things and me, you know, watching the kids and making sandwiches is what I do, then that's what, you know, that's my role to do that. Um, Point for the throwback. Thanks. <laughs> I don't I'm, get sandwiches very often. I'm really, I'm really hungry wrong? after all this talk about sandwiches. We eat to, cereal at our house. I don't really like sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, well, so. truth be told, our kids would get a bowl of cereal too. <laughs> I guess um, I would agree with that, Allison, because when we just, um, I think it's important to, like, it's my role as a wife to support um, the ministry that God has given to Chase. And so if he's called, you know, if he's, you know, meeting with the guys for um, counseling or encouragement, um, and one of the things I see is that sometimes God will fulfill both of those needs at the same time, that as you're pouring out and ministering, um, that he is also, you know, he also encourages you in the same way. So, you know, I might be meeting with some ladies or Chase might be meeting with some guys, but it, it, God will encourage you as well when you're, in the, when you're following what he has called you to do ministry-wise. I was actually just going to say almost the exact same thing, Janet, in that it is I think it's very essential that we do have those deep relationships with other ladies and we are able to foster those relationships even at times when we are able to not to be able to do that without the children being around. Um, and a lot of times it's not just it's not just refreshment, but it is minister, we do minister to each other mm-hmm. during those times. And they are so refreshing for me as we share different struggles and encourage each other um, in the Word. Mm -hmm. 
And I would say those um, that kind of relationship, if we try to look for the, um, that from our husbands, I think that would add an extra burden. Like our husbands can't fulfill all of our relational needs. And so whereas that's our, that's my, you know, Chase's, you know, my, you know, primary, you know, like he's, I don't know what. He's your person. Yeah, he's my person. <laughs> he's my person. But um, I um, can't look for him to meet all of my relationship needs. Mm-hmm. That would be too much, um, that. Well, I kind of have a follow-up question with that. I think this is a fairly, fairly fascinating topic. So to the wives, uh, I hear you saying there are certain aspects of friendship that your husband can't provide, certain aspects of relationship that your husband can't provide. So what? kind of talk about that. What kind of... Uh, what do you miss? It, if a wife is out there and, and her primary relationship is with her husband, she doesn't have deep, intimate relationships with other ladies, what are you missing? And how would you exhort uh, a wife in that situation? Well, the first thing that I think of is men and women are not wired the same way. I mean, we hear that all the time. But, Amen. <laughs> but it's true. And so I think somebody mentioned this, I think, just a second ago. You're putting undue pressure on your husband to meet needs when you that they're not, I guess, equipped to meet maybe because they're just wired differently. And so, you know, having godly women that you can, um, you know, that you can meet with that can meet those relational needs that are not the same needs that your husband can meet. And, you know, and I'm trying to think of an example – you know, um, I mean, Janet mentioned just different conversations that you would have. You know, I could go to David and I can talk to David about anything, but he's not going to give me the same response to certain topics that my other friends would give just because he's not going to take them seriously. No, I'm going to try to fix it. That's what I'm going to Or do. he's going to try to fix it because that's what he does. And, you know. And that aggravates Allison. She doesn't want the problem fixed, apparently. We just want to talk about the, fi- the problem. That's well, let's right. talk about this issue. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not about the nail. It is. That's it's what I'm thinking. It's always about the yes, nail. It's not the nail. <laughs> so. That's a great video if you've not seen that. Make sure that gets put in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> As, but, I mean, I, I think. That's right, but I, I think that's what I was saying earlier about really even the guys needing, you know, guys need guys, ladies need ladies. Those relationships should be there. I, I understand what Janet's saying about, you know, you got to find that balance. Um, I would probably put it in the terms of I think you need to have that discussion of what, what do you need? You know, what, what did, you know, what do you need? What do I need in terms of those times away? And, um, you know, honestly, uh, because Allison homeschools, um, a lot of times we have different priorities. When I get home from work, like I want to be with the family, you know. I, I want to, you know, I want to. Oh, it's family time. Let's let's spend time with the kids. And Allison's like, I've been with the kids all day. I want, you adult know, I want adult time. I want adult conversation time. So, you know, part of that is kind of working that balance out of of what you need on a daily basis. But then, I think us having that conversation how you know what would be beneficial for you how often to go out and spend some time with the ladies and and vice versa for me in in terms of you know what and you know what would be beneficial for you and then we just try to work that out um you know maybe it's always feasible maybe it's not but i i think it's uh not making it a 
yeah, you, I'm going out with the guys five nights a week and, the, and, and my wife's staying at home. But at the same time, working it into the schedule so that, um, you know, and, and that will take sacrifice on, on behalf of your spouse to make that happen. And I think the same for the ladies, that because there's a thing in American culture that's saying, you know, we've got to have me time in order to survive. And sometimes that mentality of I can't do what I've, I'm, you know, I can't do what I'm supposed to do unless I get some, quote, me time. Um, I think if God has called you to a task, that, I mean, he will equip you. And so I think being creative and finding ways to connect with um, same-sex um, relationships, be it um, during the day. Um, but not, not. <laughs> no, no, no. Not those kind of same-sex <laughs> relationships. There, there were a few okay. raised eyebrows in the room with that comment. But, but keep going. Where, where's you most of the immature males, for the record? <laughs> this is what you get for podcasting with fifth graders. Okay, you know, female relationships with females, like with your friends. Um, go, like, <laughs> it's not getting you better. But... Being creative and, you know, say you want to meet at the park with our, you know, with, you know, bring the kids, let the kids play, and then you can connect with a friend while the kids are playing together um, or, you know, after school, if they're in school, um, just finding ways to connect that doesn't always put a burden on the uh, marital relationship or on the family. Um, and so I think, like, balance is the key there where it's good to foster those relationships, but also not knowing that. God's going to meet that need, and we don't have to run away to have me time to survive. Yeah, that's good. That's good insights. Go I'll, ahead, Nick. I want to jump in just with a, a thought, and this applies to both to both genders. And so, um, I absolutely affirm that there are times I, I tell Lisa start somewhere on the list and find someone to talk to, please, because she's just reached that point that I, you know. I get home from work. I've been around adults all day. She's been around little people, and and she needs to talk to an adult. I have been kids, not dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we we're having to. <laughs> yeah, just for clarification. I'll clarify just everything. Clarifying. Yeah, um, third graders. It's a particular. hobbit, sir. Um, third graders in particular, but but I have also been around adults and dealing with problems and things like that, and, and I just kind of like. I can't shift into that mode and she'll, you know, we'll be getting ready, things ready for dinner. And she's trying to kind of talk around all these other little people that belong to me too, bouncing around the kitchen. And I, I'm not that kind of multitasker. It's just, it's just not in me. I'm like, can we talk about this? Like when there's less things and, and I've been able to kind of detox from work and that's, so finding those times for, for you guys, but also in those times where you're going to talk, you know, when, when we get around at the podcast, um, you know, the park times, or even if it's a ladies' Bible study, and this applies to both genders, but the thing I would warn against is spouses are going to come up. Marriage is going to come up. Family is going to come up. This is not an open door to lambast one spouse or the other. Men about their wives or wives about their their husbands, um, hey, you guys, do we need to separate you two? No, we're good. Keep the going, man. Wife? You're doing no. a great job, Nick. The no, the boyfriends. Is... Um, <laughs> but I, I do see all, all too often um, when, you know, and I've seen it in both respects, the spouses get together, or the, the ladies or the gentlemen get together, they in, end up railing on one another's spouse. And, you know, I'm all for 
he did something that's frustrating me and I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. it out or I'm not sure why she's responding this way or the kids are doing this and they see it this way and I see it this way. Talking about issues, getting advice, getting wise counsel, absolutely. But when it becomes roast the spouse, you need to take a step back. And and if and here's why I will encourage folks to be proactive. If you've got somebody that fosters that or enables that, maybe that's not how you go to the conversation, but you find you always end up it becomes a roast when you're around that person. Maybe we find either a different topic with that particular person or we just change our timetable with that particular person. Um, because someone or find a different friend. Well, but here's the, here's the problem is I see it all too often, even in Christian communities and, and you, we've all got our strengths and weaknesses, right? And, and if the spouse situation is a strength for you and a weakness for them and, and they end up pulling you into that, I don't want to cut them off, but, but I also want to realize, Hey, I don't need to open myself up to this particular conversation with that person, but I still want to be able to, to try to pull them towards godliness well, or point I, them to- I think what you're saying is 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 an excellent point and I think it really should be should be amplified it, it, we're amplified you know, way buddy uh, we're encouraging people to guys to have friendships with guys and ladies to have friendships with ladies outside of the uh, you know not their spouses but if if the primary part of your time with your friend is criticizing your spouse or them criticizing their spouse, that's toxic mm-hmm. and dangerous. And, and um, we just, as believers, we can't do that. I mean, yeah, like you said, asking for help, asking for prayer, uh, asking for counsel, absolutely. But if it's bash your husband time or bash your wife time, that's that's just there's no other word for it but toxic. Yeah. yeah. We've had that discussion before, and 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 totally agree with that. Uh, one last one, one thing I want to say about ministries we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think um, and, and appreciate what Allison said about wanting to support you know what God's call you know for me, which I think you know obviously in a pastoral role, but I, I think there's a responsibility with husbands and wives to to support. You know, all of us are in ministry, so all of us have gifts, and all of us are to use those gifts. And I think there's a call among on husbands and wives to help um, their spouse to be able to fulfill whatever ministry their spouse you know has been given by God. Um, I was listening to a sermon the other day. I think it was Francis Chan, but he was just talking about how you know um, he was the pastor of his home, and a pastor's role is to ensure that. Um, you know the people under their care are using their spiritual gifts, and that one day he was going to stand before God and give an account for how well he had pastored his wife. But his wife was, you know, he was talking about his wife's going to stand before God, and whether or not she would, she could say she had walked out her spiritual gifts, she had fulfilled her calling, would have to do with how well he had pastored the home. And so I think I think that's. A responsibility that we have to help our spouses be able to fulfill their ministry, and and I think also look for ministry that we can do together. Which is obviously, if you have kids, it's parenting your kids. But you know, I know for you know for the Jenkins, it's foster care. That's something that you have felt strongly called to, and you are doing that together. Alice and I have had a door open to us to uh, to minister um, 
in in a I don't know what whatever we call it teaching capacity um, as far as parenting goes, and so I, I think that has been for us very um, very helpful to our marriage. I think to be able to minister together. So I think I think it is more than just the wife looking for a way to support her husband in his ministry. I, I think that that responsibility goes to both the spouses. So where do we fall in the whole best friend thing? I guess we're all saying what? See, Lisa was kind of neutral. Uh, everybody else voted no, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think all right, Janet said you didn't really like the term best friend. Yep. Right. You know, and it does sound a little fifth, fourth grade ish. One of the things that he brought up in the article was whether or not it was created by the Facebook culture. Like you wanted to post on Facebook how great your marriage was and you were married to your best friend and things like that. And Chase read that entire section of the article. Oh, you know what? I was posting something on the internet at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we saw that. So that's real funny what you posted. Okay. Anyway, I appreciate the prayers. (laughs) All right. I, 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 I think I'm following somewhat. Where Janet is, I don't, you know, I don't know that I like the term. I think what Allison said earlier. I think just my friends who are guys—that's just a different category than so like the spouse. Than no, I don't look. I'm, I have very few friends who are guys. <laughs> I mean, Wait, if I could, what? if you I, have very few friends that are guys. Yeah. Well, I don't have we friends that are girls either. Cool. But I, I have very few friends. That's not oh, true. if I had had a screen cap of Alice's face right then, that would have been priceless we, we for the album artwork. Yeah, we could have a discussion here about the spirit of rejection, because David is one of the most social people <laughs> I've ever met, but yet he constantly feels like he doesn't have enough friends. So what do you think about that, Nick? Can you mute David's microphone for a moment? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. I don't want to mute Allison. Yeah, we don't want to do that. You mean Narco Nick or Bonfire Nick? Oh, it's just, it's just the pain just oozes out of his mouth. I'm sorry. What? What happened? <laughs> I don't know what happened. Anyway, Nick. Oh, wait, Chase, you're supposed to get us out of the segment. Okay, well, thank you to our wonderful spouses for agreeing to join us on the show. You guys did a great job and had some uh, really good uh, material, meaty things to say. So uh, you, you classed up the joint a little bit, and we appreciate y'all being with us. All right, guys, the wives have left the room. Now we can talk about what we, you know, think about them on the show. Yeah. How do you think they did? Chase, begin with you. Critique your wife. I actually thought she, uh, for a non-listener, <laughs> I thought she did a good job. It took, it took them a little while to get uh, warmed up. I'm sure the, uh, you know, some of the some of the misogynistic undertones in the Hall of Dogma will will rate them uh, lower probably than they should be. But I thought they I thought they did well. I've got to go look that word up. You have a Chromebook right in front of you. It is a Google. It's running really slow right now. I mean, well, I think it's, it's a Chromebook. No, I think it's the HOD internet. Well, the HOD internet is the notoriously monkeys, poor. The monkeys are tired. <laughs> how do you think? They've had a long how do you day. think the wives did, Nick? I I thought they did well. Okay. I you know. It was good. Our wives are a cut above, though, I think. Whoa. Yeah, you're saying most, most women would not have done a good job. What you're saying. Oh, I'm saying our wives are exceptional in many ways. All right, I love well, our wives. Let's continue on with the show. Here, episode 79, we have uh, What Were You Thinking coming up. This segment's been around longer than any other, and we don't have any music. Yeah. We, it doesn't have any intro music. I think we should 
should have some intro music. Well, I, I don't want to give you uh, a big head, but I mean, obviously somebody already has. Uh, but but I will say this would be this is one of my very favorite of our shows segments. I look forward to it every week. Uh, so, is it um, what, what kind of music could we have? I appreciate that. Well, what kind of music do you have? I don't know, I'm thinking, you know, Snoop Dogg, uh, maybe Drake, somebody like that. I don't know who the, they are. Well, I'm not surprised. You are quite literally the whitest person I have ever met. The whitest person you have ever yes. met? Uh, what about Albanos? Well, you are whiter than 95% of all albinos. Is that offensive? It probably is probably. offensive we, to We talked about albinos earlier. Okay, so I, I'm just thinking that maybe the My podcast people. audience could. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> we, should, we should let that guy talk more. We should. <laughs> just not operate the soundboard. Hashtag free Nick. Hashtag bring Nick a stool. Um, so I, w- what if we, could we... <laughs> Chase, what do you think about that? Uh, I guess my mic's <laughs> I think the word stool is funny. I can't, I can't. <laughs> That's right. You don't have headphones. I don't have headphones, so it doesn't, it doesn't sound any different to me. Uh, I, maybe the podcast audience could make some suggestions for the what were you thinking music that we Maybe could they use. could. Well, we have a live studio audience here. Maybe we should ask them. Live studio audience, do you have any ideas for what were you thinking music? Snoop Dogg? Does Snoop Dogg have a song called What Were You Thinking? Probably. Okay. He's got a lot of songs, but it would be, you know, kind of he would he would izzle it up, the title. Can we play his music? Is it... Um, it's fully appropriate. Is it, is, yeah. it, is it appropriate like those sound effects Nick was playing <laughs> in the part of this show that got edited out? <laughs> it's probably more appropriate than those sound okay, effects. Okay, look. All right, Nick. There's nothing. I got nothing to say. Will, what? Will you, How may I help you? Will you be able to help us find some music for What Were You Thinking? From Snoop Dogg, maybe? <laughs> sure, David. That's a great idea. Okay, I tell you what. If you have a suggestion, maybe Jeff or, or some of the guy, the artistic guys out there, um, Emmanuel probably knows something about Snoop Dogg. Probably. I mean, I think I've heard him mention Snoop Dogg before. Yep. Okay. So if you guys have a suggestion for what were you thinking music, let me know. Send it to the whitest guy at gmail dot com. Speaking of what were you thinking? Great. It's time for what were you thinking? And this is the segment, if, if this is your first time to join us, that uh, we take a look at the world around us, the crazy world around us and things happening. We're going to start in Ireland, my people, <laughs> via Las Vegas. Dad films dream vacation on son's GoPro, but accidentally in selfie mode. A dad from Ireland filmed his entire vacation of a lifetime to Las Vegas on a GoPro camera, but he had it in selfie mode the entire time, unaware. Joseph Griffin only realized he had been pointing the gadget the wrong way when he got back home to Ireland. That's unfortunate. So this guy films his vacation for a couple of weeks in Las Vegas, um, and he's, he's filming. His son actually took some of this video and, and crunched it together into like four or five minutes so you could just see. And it's him filming all of these sites, <laughs> and he's talking about them. But the whole time, <laughs> the camera is pointed at himself. 
And so he's saying like he, he's he's pointing out these tourist attractions, and so like he's he's looking at Trump Tower, and he's saying, "Oh, look, Trump Tower has the same color as Trump's hair," but he's filming he's filming himself. Mm. So um, his son, um, I bet he has a delightful Irish accent, a lot like you do. Uh, he probably does. This is it's a little embarrassing. I hate to make fun of my ancestors and. Uh, Good <laughs> is, men. Is this man one of your ancestors, David? Good men like James McSorley uh, from from Ireland. But um, you know, I don't know if they don't have GoPros in Ireland yet. Maybe uh, they don't know how to use those, or maybe he's just old. Really, he he could be. Just Some old. old people struggle with technology. Okay, uh, I don't really feel like you guys found that one too funny, so I'm going to move on to something else. If you had showed us the video, that probably would have helped, yeah. All right, let's try this one. Um, this is just from the U.S. Uh, Narco su- looks a little out of it, studio, just in general. Studio, studio uh, audience, my apologies for this. Um, maybe you'll find this one a little bit more engaging. 61% of Americans say they pee in the shower. Wow. How many? 61%. That low of a percentage? That is really? a low percentage. So I, we, we can't really have a discussion about this like I had originally intended to. Although although our audience listens, I mean, to the show, but it's just different when they're here. It's different when they're here, yes. We do have a, an audience consisting of a large number of college So remind today. me later after the show, I will give you all of this. Th- this company, um, and, and I haven't looked at the website, so I'm not going to mention the website name, but they they – conducted a survey of, of essentially Americans' bathroom habits. <laughs> mm. and, this um, is fascinating. Can and, you send the whole survey? Because I'm interested. There's quite a few that are, that are pretty uh, interesting. Um, and um, yeah, so, so 61% admit they pee in the shower. 41% admit they pee in the swimming pool. But we've, we've talked about that on the show before. Yeah. So I'm just going to kind of, kind of go around the room. Um, okay. Yes or no, do you pee in the shower? Chase? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no comment. Okay. Nick? I've got to show you this week of sad fans are sad on SaturdayDownSouth.com. It's pretty good. So you're not going to answer. I'll answer. That's a good dodge. I'll answer. I only pee in Chase's shower. So, oh. Hey, David. You know why what's are you funny? in Chase's shower? <laughs> you know what's funny? That's a, actually a really good question. I don't know. Actually, I, I live. Oh, actually, I do. Actually, I am... Well, it's so the kind of question, sort of. This next kind line of, of conversation yeah. needs to stop now. Really, it goes nowhere good. Okay, I was well, I was going to point out. See, I live in the house Chase used to sure, live in. It's possible that no one's peed in your shower more than me. But see, we got a new shower. It's it's not the same shower. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's a so. good point. Uh, okay, how about let me see if I can read any of these bef- without being too embarrassing. Here's one. 50% of respondents say they fold their toilet paper. 30% of Americans wad it up. Well, that's interesting. Wait, fifty percent fold, fold thirty wide. Fo- yeah, thirty wide. Okay, right. it's like a. My son like wraps the whole roll around half the roll around his hand. That see, that's how I imagine Chase <laughs> wiping. <laughs> after, after, after. No, no, no. With those yellow rubber gloves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He gets some hand sanitizer, <laughs> puts on puts on the old school like grandma's kitchen yellow gloves, which he throws hand, away. Which he throws away. Yeah, more hand sanitizer. More hand sanitizer. <laughs> Wraps the glove. 
Yeah. In toilet paper. And then what? And then throws all of that away Absolutely. in one of those those uh, waste sacks. No, it's a burn bag. It's a burn, burn bag. He, he burns is, it out back. This is the lowest, worst moment of this podcast ever. It's hilarious um, for me. That's that's uh, that's saying a lot. Okay, let me see if there's any more of these that I can do before we move on. Um, oh, I think I busted a blood vessel. Let's see. Thirty-five percent uh, of Americans refuse to sit on public toilets. They just hover. You know, let me let me say something about hovering over public toilets, okay. David. Interestingly enough, you sent me a picture. <laughs> I did send you about three weeks ago uh, of the results of somebody who hovered over a toilet. It wasn't it wasn't me. It wasn't it was my you. brother-in-law who listens to the yes. show. Uh, shout out to Chris. He actually had to. Uh, he, I saw he, a picture uh, of him sitting on the toilet today. Oh my goodness. Um, His wife showed it to me. That might oh, need some oh. clarification, Nick. <laughs> I, I think he just clarified. His wife okay. showed it. Yeah. To, to I, think, um, I think he took a selfie and sent it to his wife. We have no one who will be listening to us after this. Who but, share it. Okay. Okay. But yes, he, he actually had to. He, so he worked at a, he works at a gas station, and um, someone went into their public restroom and hovered. Hovered and, and missed. And missed. Mm. And, and uh, yeah. Party had so to clean it up. Party fell. Yeah. Look, look. If you are a hover, go home. Don't do that Don't do to that. somebody. That, that's awful. 36% of Americans use their foot to flush the toilet instead Only of their hands. 36? Yeah. Wait, I'm, wait a I'm, minute. Wait. That's public. You're public, telling public, public toilet. 64% of people touch <clears> the <throat> handle with their hand? Okay, I don't use my You filthy animal. I don't use my foot. What do you use? I use my hand. And then in I go, a public toilet? Yeah, and then I go wash my hand. So let me get this straight. It's disgusting. After well, people- I don't like have a sandwich in there or something. I mean it's I flush the toilet and go wash my hands. Use your foot. Well that's sometimes they're high. Stretch. What are you, eighty? Gracious. Yes, yeah, stretch. <sighs> okay. Sign up for yoga. Pilates. So something. both of you guys use your foot. Yeah. So I'm touching your foot germs. I don't even touch, and the, I am uh, not touching your private part germs. So whoa, whoa, can, holy cow! Really? really? I don't even touch the. That's sink all handle. I can imagine. By the way, the sink handle is the, is the last worst thing, thing to touch. some dude touched before he touched that handle. Okay, I've got one more, and then oh, we'll, we'll move on. Our wives are like totally pumped that they're on. They this are. They, they like. Uh, let's see. I've got one I want to ask you guys about later, but no one. No audience in the room and not on the show, so just remind me. Oh, I can only imagine how awful that's going to be. I can only imagine. Okay. okay. Uh, Art Miller dates the show. Yeah. <laughs> 43% of Americans admit they check the contents of the bowl before they flush. Is that a little low or a little high for you guys? That's a little low. A little low? You thought it'd be... A little low. Nick, would you... What was the person? 43% of oh, Americans... Yeah, really? the, the I gotta see how things are flowing. High nineties, <laughs> high nineties. If I need to add some fiber, or... okay. Oh, <laughs> Drink more water, Britain. I don't Britain. know if you should do toilet stories in what were you thinking anymore. <laughs> I, I'm gonna make him regret it. I, I, I think somebody regrets it. <clears throat> I, I know I do. I just thought it was interesting that over half of America pees in the shower. At that's that's well, a fa- we left off there. That's a foul to me. Really? In the yeah. show? You against that? Yeah. So let me get this straight. You I have a toilet have... handle, but you won't pee in a place no. that catches no. anything and immediately no. sends it down the. No. Okay. No. Hey, I, I do. I have picked up one of your shower habits, though. I, I, 
I brush. How do you know his shower That's habits are? Because he has told me that he brushes his teeth in the shower. Oh yeah, if you got a beard, you got to brush your teeth. And in I the brush shower. my teeth in the shower now. It, it takes forever to rinse that stuff out of your beard. You got to brush. What are you doing wrong that you get toothpaste in your beard? I'm a zealous toothbrusher. I guess. Britain's. My beard makes both of you look like teenage boys. And it I does right now. Yeah, dude. Well, no that's shave. Pretty, pretty strong. I trim my beard. Britain's express astonishment. <laughs> my new. Anyway. Britain's express astonishment that America has never heard of the sausage roll. All right, guys, I got to ask you a question. Have you ever heard of the sausage roll? Uh, um. You want you want thirty four year old Nick's answer? Or yes, I want thirty four year old Nick's answer. I mean, I I don't know that I've heard of it, but I can imply from the name that it's the sausage roll. Yeah, food. the New York Times recently introduced its readers. I'm showing you guys the pictures to the popular greasy snack that Britons okay, love, similar to called the sausage roll. It looks pretty good. Oh, it looks. Fantastic, and I'm I'm actually kind of interested to hear from our British listeners. British food connoisseurs have expressed abject horror at the revelation that Americans have never heard of the sausage roll. The New York Times introduced its readers to the popular pastry treat last week, publishing a recipe and noting that the British had claimed this as their own. Um, so apparently, New York Times posted this about. Uh, this sausage roll gave a recipe for it, and and all of these uh, Americans just are taking to Twitter and social media talking about how great the sausage roll looks or tastes. And Britons, uh, Britons, are quite confused that they uh, that we have never heard of the sausage roll, and they have taken to Twitter to let us know. About that, I'll give you a few of the uh, British Twitter comments. America, please do not explore new planets when you haven't even had a sausage roll. Your priorities are in the wrong place. Let me tell you something, David. As everybody listening to the show knows, I'm a big fan of the UK uh, and and British culture in general. But I'll be daggum if I'm going to take uh, food lectures from people who regularly and routinely eat black pudding as part of their breakfast. What is black pudding? Black pudding is boiled blood sausage, and that is what they eat. And if you look up black pudding, you'll see some delightful pictures. Nasty. Although, hey, I'll tell you what, sausage roll almost makes up for your black pudding nastiness. Did America seriously only just get introduced to sausage rolls? Asked one Briton. What do you eat at picnics? Well, we have pigs in a oh, blanket that's and hot dogs. In the times, in these times of culinary confusion for Americans, it doesn't help that sausage rolls and sausage rolls are entirely different things. I don't actually get that. They capitalized one and not the other. Uh, it's kind of weird to be at, here's another Twitter response, it's kind of weird to be at the creating novelty caramel flavored crisps stage of fast food, but not know about sausage rolls, America. Uh, they're pretty much making fun of us um, all over. What is that? Oh, that's the black pudding. It's nasty. Apparently, the USA doesn't know what a sausage roll is. Excuse me whilst I breathe into a paper bag, says one Briton on okay. Twitter. Uh, so uh, now to to kind of poke fun back at the Britons for just a moment. Apparently, uh, while they were making fun of us for having never heard of the sausage roll, a debate broke out amongst themselves about the proper way to eat 
the sausage <laughs> roll. Nice. Uh, some were saying that it was um, they put gravy on top. Others said they have a, a red sauce that they use, and mm. others said that you should only eat it um, without condiments, without any kind of sauce. So I, I, I must say, looking at it in the pictures of it, it is um, it looks quite amazing. It looks delicious. And, We're going to have to get us some sausage rolls. All right. We, we are not going to have time today to talk about the new Russian martial arts class that uh, teaches people to defend themselves with their selfie stick. Krav Maga? Yes. We're also not going to have time to talk about the vengeful surfer who vowed to eat the shark that bit him, mm. which that one was pretty funny. He actually went and killed a shark the next day. And, and yes, by the way, I know Krav Maga is, is Israeli. It just sounds Russian. Krav Maga? I'm probably mispronouncing it. And we really don't have time to talk about the, um, <laughs> the public service announcement that has went out, although I do want to ask you guys, have you seen the videos of the people scaring their cats with cucumbers. I have. It's hilarious. Okay, so now animal rights activists and veterinarians are coming out and asking people to no longer scare their cats with cucumbers that you may actually cause them emotional and mental damage. Yeah. Have you seen these videos? Oh, they're funny. You really need to uh, Google cats scared by cucumbers. But vets are saying that that you could actually do long-term damage to your cats by scaring them with cucumbers the the cats jump and, and, and act a little frightened but they do not look uh terrified or emotionally distraught they uh, just jump yeah and then they're like well oh, i read about the science the science behind it is or the the behavioral science behind it is that cats um it, if something new is introduced to their environment they like to scope it out from a distance yeah and so they're putting these cucumbers right by them, yeah. and so their jumping back is them trying to remove themselves from the situation yeah. so that they can uh, determine from a safe distance whether or not the cucumber or the object is a danger. So, yeah, your, your cat's going to be okay. All right, guys, let's uh, we're going to finish out here with the question of the week. If Nick, um, well, Nick has discovered we've lost Nick, you're yeah. good, cats you're and good. cucumbers. Uh, so, uh, we have a question of the week coming in from listener Rachel. And Rachel, uh, now my understanding of this question surfaced in a um, surfaced in a class, a psychology class that she is in in college, and so the discussion essentially is around adoption and adoption by same-sex couples, and the question is, would it be better for a orphan to never be adopted, or? for an orphan to be adopted by a same-sex couple. Is that correct? All right. So that is the question that is before us. Uh, Chase or Nick, who would like to take the first stab? Nick. Uh, this is a fun one. Um, QOTW. QOTW. Um, question of the week. You know, I've pondered this a lot um, in light of um, – it's interesting because I, I kind of process it through the filter of the foster care system, um, which my wife and I are blessed right now to be um, foster parents. And, um, you know, it, it's it, I'm torn because you go because you immediately think if someone's not adopted, uh, that they have no love, that they, they have no one that loves and no one that cares for them. And that's not always true. Um, am I saying that that is a replacement for biological parents or adoptive committed parents no i'm not um but 
kind of saying adoption means no love for a child. Um, I, I want to, re- as a foster parent, I want to reject that premise, I guess, is part of, part of my answer to the um, statement. Um, but the, the sheer question, that, the straight, direct question Rachel's asking, I would, because the role of a parent is so significant in a child's life, um, I, I feel like I'm at a stalemate in the question because um, we all believe that the Lord, through the, the power of the Holy Spirit, can, can do anything, can draw sinners in the deepest blackness to his light, okay? Um, we believe that. But, but the Bible also speaks to how important, how critical the role of a parent is to a child. And, and so you can't go, well, 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 Jesus can do anything. Yes, he can. But it also speaks to the importance of a parent. So you can't throw one of those things out and only, only hope, hope in the other. Um, and so I, um, I'm torn, but I, I'd lean... I don't know. I can't make a definitive. I keep arguing with myself in the question. Mm-hmm. I really do. All right. So, I, I, and I, I do think, I mean, when Rachel first mentioned the question to me, I'll admit a lot of pause. Um, I told her right away, I thought it was a really good question and one that we should uh, chew over. And, and I actually spent a great deal of time thinking through it uh, because I don't think it has. Um, I think the answers have a lot. Of, I think the answer has a lot of depth to it, and so I don't yes. think it's. I don't think we should pretend that it's. A, it's a very easy. Well, it's answer. one of those roads when you start I, walking down. There's a lot of streets off that road that can get you to the final destination. There is, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will. I have a an answer that I feel I've arrived at um, for me, but I was going to throw it over to Chase if you had any uh, either opening comments or uh, thoughts. All right, all right. I'm actually quite curious to hear your your answer. So let me throw out at least one opening comment. Um, here's the thing: I believe God has ordained fathers and mothers. Uh, let me put it this way: I believe God has ordained a mother with a very unique and unrepeatable, unduplicatable role in the life of raising up a child. Mm -hmm. There are mothers that are poor. There are mothers that reject that role. There are mothers who put themselves first and do not rightly raise their children. But the way that God has set it up is that a mother would have a role that no man can fulfill in the life of of a child. And similarly, a father has a role that no woman is able to fully fulfill in the right in the life of a child. It is a unique unrepeatable role. And I believe that the way that God has set families up is that they would have a father and mother. In a same-gender adoption situation, you will either have two fathers or two mothers uh, or something like that. Uh, in, in fact, you might very well have somebody that would neither play the role of father or mother. In, 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 in 2015 America, where we're rejecting gender, you, you might have uh, a situation where neither uh, father nor mother is is portrayed, but some sort of middle ground between the two, which I think would actually be less healthy than having two fathers or two mothers. Uh, so that my opening statement, at the very least, is that the best thing for a child is to have 
a father, and the best thing for a child is to have a mother. And same-sex adoption uh, at the forefront rules that out. Well, but speaking of the streets that you start walking, because I had a thought not dissimilar to this, but would any of us um, oppose the adoption of a child by either a male or a female who is a single person? That is a great question, and the answer is yes, I would oppose it in the situation where there was um, a, a mother and father who were available to ad- adopt the same, same child. Um, that is not always the situation. We, generally, the situation is they're looking for people to adopt, but I, say, I would say the best is for a mother and father to adopt. We were in a foster care um, training um, we have to get so many credits per year in, in kind of family and in, in foster training and things like that. And we were in a class yesterday, and there was a um, woman there who is a uh, single woman, and she's a foster parent. And I just, I really, I appreciate her. I appreciate the work that she does. But there is a part of me that's, there. there's a piece of this that is unfair to her and not trying to be too strong, but unfair to the child because I, I just... There are there's a support system Lisa and I have together in, in this ministry that we we cannot do it without each other. And there is there is absolutely a stability our foster daughter needs that is provided by the two of us working together. And especially in a situation like foster adoption, I am I lean heavy into them needing both. Yeah, I think definitely that's the best situation. Um, all right, so you know, people who listen to the podcast know that we adopted. Um, where I start with answering the question is there, there is an assumption that is inherent in adoption. It, we don't say it, but there is an assumption that, that is there and um, everyone accepts, and that is the fact that there are some situations it would be better for a child to not be adopted than to be placed into. <laughs> okay, so for example, um, I mean, f- f- it took us from the moment that we were matched with Jack until the what we call gotcha day, where we actually um, he was given to us custody wise. It took 12 months. So it was exactly 12 months. So it was a long process. And part of that process was us proving. That we would be good parents, uh, we had to do take uh, we had to prove that through medical uh, exams, we had to prove that through financial uh, reports, we had to prove that through background checks and so there 's an inherent assumption that it would be better for a child to not be adopted than to be placed in a home with abusive parents. It would yes. be better for a child to not be adopted according to some agencies than to be placed in a home with parents who financially could not care for them. It would be better for a child to not be adopted than to be placed in a home where there was a terminally ill parent or something. That, that, that's just, again, right or wrong, there's a lot of hoops that the adoption world will say, uh, we have to make sure that you're, this is a good situation for the family. And there are some situations where, as, as, as harsh as it is to think about the unadoptable, those who will never be adopted, and they are there. They are, there are children every year who age out of orphanages. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they are all over the world. The, the agency that we used here in Birmingham Lifeline um, has a, a whole program called Unadoptable, which is supporting these kids who age out of orphanages and, and are turned turn on the streets on, on their own um, because they 
uh, reach an age where they're no, they can no longer be in an orphanage and they were never adopted. It is a sorrowful situation that none of us want to think about an orphan being in, the best situations for orphans to be adopted. But the question is, just like we would say, um, there are certain families it would be better for a, an orphan to not go into, it would be better for them to stay an orphan than to be put into a, a home where there's substance abuse, for example. Would it be better for a child to not be adopted or to be placed into a same-sex couple home? Would it be harmful for them to be placed into a same-sex couple home? And I, the reason that I would say my answer is I think it would be better for them to not be adopted. And my reasoning is I think the jury is really still out on the long-term damage that will happen from being raised by two same-sex individuals. There are some people who were raised in those homes who say it was harmful to them. And, and I think scientifically, I think emotionally, I think behaviorally, we don't yet know what it will do to children to be raised in a same-sex environment. We just don't know. We're going to know as yeah. these years start unfolding. And right now, I think without that information, I think it's dangerous to do. And so I tend to lean very carefully, I mean, with careful thought and not just trying to throw an answer out there. I, I lean saying without that data and without knowing what harm that may cause, I think it could be a dangerous situation. You ask about the single parent. I, I think the best scenario is for a child to be adopted by mom and dad. But if you were to ask me, do you think it's better for a child to be adopted by a single parent or not adopted at all? I would say it would be better for them to be adopted by a single parent. I don't think that's harmful to them. I don't think it's as good. I don't think it's as beneficial but I think it would not be harmful to them. I think it would be better for them to have a loving mom who takes care of them than to never have a parent. That would be my view on it. But I think it could be harmful and detrimental to be raised by a same-sex couple. And you so think that's my thought. scientific data is going to show this? I think it's possible that scientific data will show that in the, in the coming years. I, I, I don't think we know yet. I think that data, though, may indeed come out. I don't think that's a study that will ever be published. If, if it is the case that, that data could show that, and I, honestly, I, I quite frankly, I think it is the case that data would show that. That, in our culture, that sort of study would be um, – uh, would be suppressed. It would not come out. Suppressed, or it, even if, you know, I could see maybe religious groups trying to release that and it being um, marginalized or yeah. berated, yeah, berated culturally. Closer. Um, so, I, but again, it's I say good, all of that with complete just, um, you know, I, I understand the depth of the question and, and the, you know, I don't want to act like it's an easy answer, but but that's the answer I would arrive at. Anything further, guys? Well, I essentially would be opposed to same-sex adoption, but but understand this to to say that I mean because I'm opposed to same-sex marriage. I believe same-sex marriage is harmful. I believe same-sex adoption is harmful because biblically speaking. Uh, the Bible is very clear that same-sex relationships are harmful and sinful. But we have to realize, we sound, in 2015, we sound like incredible bigots 
uh, and uh, prejudiced and, and all of those kind of things. And uh, quite frankly, um, all we can do is stand on the Word of God and say, this is what the Word of God says, and uh, here we stand. We can do no other, but we have to be ready. Uh, for instance, if, if Rachel goes to her college classroom and says, I'm opposed to this because I believe the Bible uh, teaches clearly in the New Testament that same-sex um, same-sex sexual activity is sinful and destructively sinful uh, in the sense that it's it will separate you from God. Paul lists it as in more than one occasion as as a sin that leads to death and separation. Um, we have to be ready for the backlash that will come to that from that. We have to speak in biblical ways. We have to speak winsomely uh, with wisdom and. and not malice, but you can say it as well as it is possible to be said, but uh, that viewpoint is going to be considered uh, high bigotry and high treason against the culture now. So how do we deal with that? Are you asking the question? I'm asking you guys the question. How do we deal with, Um, if we are in agreement that this is harmful, I'm telling you that that is going to go over like a rat sandwich. How do we deal with that? (laughs) Well, I think that's the difficult thing. I mean, number one, right now in this country... Same-sex marriage is the law of the land. Uh, therefore, same-sex adoptions are going to be allowed. They're already being allowed. Uh, they've been in place. It, 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 people have been doing these for a while, but the way they were doing them was one one of the couples mm-hmm. would um, adopt one of the individuals in the in the um, gay marriage in the in the gay relationship would adopt, and they would be the legal dad, and then the other person would would be there, but. You know, and they would serve as the other dad, but legally they were not seen right. as a dad. So now we're going to be at a place where it will be legal to do, and both dads or both moms will be seen as the legal parent. And and I think we have to understand that. I mean, like I think we have to operate within. You know, it's it's out there. It's going to be happening. Um, but you know, if I get asked the question, and someone asks me that, um, you know, that that's the thing. It's it's we have a right to speak an opinion, and we have a right to speak uh, what we believe and why we believe that. And, you know, it will be ridiculed, and it will, I I think you're right, I think it would be ridiculed in most probably college classrooms. I think me saying that it, I believe it would be harmful to the child would be ridiculed. So, you know, I mean, what can you do? If you ask your opinion, you grant your opinion, I think, as, as, um, as soundly as possible, as I think you do it with as much humility as you can and not with arrogance. And, uh, you know, what the Bible talks about, let your reasonableness be known among all people and, and uh, you know, speak in such a way that even if they, you know, that they can't speak about your character. I think that's how, you know, Scripture puts it, that they, they can't say anything bad about you that would, you know, that would go against the gospel. Um you know, maybe they'll hate your opinion, but let it not be said that they that you yourself, your behavior in in that situation brings dishonor to the gospel. And and that is that's absolutely kind of where my head was in this is because this is one of those this topic topics conversation that's going to be driven by emotion. People are going to go, well, I would rather a child be loved by two homosexuals, two lesbians, two homosexual males than than to not be loved because they're, you know, they're an orphan. And that's where you can 
you can begin to share the the gospel in a loving way because if you people will separate the logic from this is we we are and this is where you get you open yourself up to another fight with people because like you were saying I think Chase people are rejecting gender in general and so but you go hey you know people are created male and and female there's you know other and people will go well but but there's those people that aren't and, and people start arguing the exception in these situations rather than the majority and, and if you can kind of without standing up on a soapbox and finding a, a bucket to ring with a stick if you can sit down and have the logical conversation of of well in my experience this is why you know boys need a mother and a father this is why girls need a, a father you know um, father and a mother and have those conversations all of a sudden if you present a little bit of rational compassionate thought in a one-on-one situation, classroom you're going to get raked over the coals but in a one-on-one situation, you sit down, you have that conversation. Because the majority of people don't want to have a rational conversation. No, they it's they, rhetoric. They want to have a Twitter. They want to have a Twitter debate where they can rally, rally the the like-minded troops, and not think about it. One other thing I would say: First Peter two twelve was the verse I was thinking of. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they mm-hmm. speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds. And glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, it's interesting there. He says, keep your conduct honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, as, as they will, <laughs> they will they will see your good deeds. They will see what you do. So two things I would say. I, I think Christians who are going to go on a soapbox rant against gay marriage, I think you need to protect your marriage. I think you need to show a good, solid marriage. Um because I think if you're going to rant against gay marriage and mm-hmm. at the same time you're going to be flipping about your marriage and not taking care of your spouse or having affairs or things, um, that's fairly hypocritical. Mm-hmm. I think It's not fairly hypocritical. It's it full-on hypocritical. It is full-on hypocritical. Okay. And then I think, I think Christians should be about the business of taking care of orphans and widows. Yep. I think, um, you know, I, I'm... I'm I'm not at the place of saying every Christian needs to adopt. I am at the place of saying I think every Christian should wrestle with their particular call for taking care of orphans. What does that look like for them? And um, I think you know you should really consider that. I think if we're going to go on a soapbox rant about homosexuals adopting kids— the church needs to be about taking care of orphans. Don't just be sitting in a corner pointing and saying gay people sh- shouldn't adopt kids. Take care of orphans. You were commanded by the Bible to do that. See, I'm going to push a little bit harder than, than David is um, because adoption is is difficult. It is costly, and it is a long-term commitment. Um, but one of the things I hear said in the most compassionate, loving way about foster care is I couldn't do that because dot, dot, dot. And one of the chief things I hear is I would get too attached and I go, praise God, I'm glad you would make a perfect foster parent because these kids don't need kids, parents that will let them hang out, make sure they get three squares and get clothes and then be happy to see them go. They need parents. They need people who would love them and cherish them and want to see them raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, just like your own children. And 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 I'm and I'm with David, and I, I will I will 
step back off my soapbox for just a moment and say, not everyone is called to adoption. Not everyone is called to foster care. I get it. Um, I would, I think that more people um, may have the ability to do it if they would think about it um, a little bit more. But I will say there are opportunities to, to love the unloved, the orphan and the widow more than the church at large does. I think we give ourselves an out. Pretty Absolutely. pretty quickly on it. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I, I like I said, I don't, I don't want to. It's probably at the risk of not wanting to offend people that I say that, but it's it's one of the more com. It's one of the more clear commands in Scripture. Yes. This is the religion God. Um, what this this is James the pure, 1, pure undefiled religion. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this: to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Um, as a quick. I wholeheartedly affirm Chase's with in terms of if you have or know foster parents, um, one way that you can actually kind of support that without maybe getting both feet in the deep end of the pool. Um, there's something called respite care, um, Mm -hmm. which is basically, um, when the foster family is traveling out of state or, um, has obligations and things like that. And it's, it's short term care for, um, foster children, and it's and it's not an all the time thing. It's not a fairly long term thing, um, but it is a way that you can support that without uh, support that ministry to orphans and widows without maybe full on being a full time foster parent. So consider that as a way to help as well. I, I agreed. Uh, I, we had some actually um, the my uh, kind of mentor in ministry used to be a pastor here at this church. They used to do respite care, and they would have. Children all the time, just on the weekends, yeah. and um, of course they, they actually just now, years later they've they've just adopted two boys. So yeah. um, it's invaluable. I, I, it really we Christians should wrestle with that. I, this is not even where we were going to go with the question, but I I think we wrestle with what is what is God saying there. Um, Francis Chan talked about, and I was listening to a sermon he did recently, and he was saying, you know, he said I think in the church we kind of take the approach of we just assume God doesn't want us to adopt. I take care of orphans until he tells us otherwise. He said, based on James, we should probably assume that we need to until he tells us not, <laughs> not to do it. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I was kind of motivated by that. I, I wanted to, yeah, I meant to make, uh, to, to finish this up earlier. We often say the need is the call, um, but, but I don't actually believe the need is the call. In this particular case, I believe the word is the call. I don't think, I don't know that people out there need to wait for God to say to them, adopt. Because here's the thing, the Bible already calls you, the Word of God already calls you to orphan care. Does that mean everybody should adopt? I don't know, wrestling with that personally, but the Word of God already calls you to orphan care. You don't need a feeling. You don't need a, a nudging from the Holy Spirit because the Word already commands that. Somehow, some way, you Christian, me Christian, us Christian are to be involved in the active ongoing care for orphans and widows. Amen. David, you, you mentioned that verse to uh, the Hall of Dogma Church uh, about six weeks ago, I, I believe it was. It was the end of a message, and, and you very passionately challenged us on that verse. And uh, believe it or not, that, that really stuck hard in my heart. And, and I went home, shared it with my wife, and ever since then we've been again wrestling with the issue of, of adoption. I think ultimately 
what you guys are saying is we deal with this this question uh, not so much by rhetoric, although our words are fine and, and, and it's good to answer the question. We deal with it by flooding the adoption process with husbands and wives, with families uh, who will adopt. Um, and I, I, I essentially think there, you know, you guys said not everybody has to adopt. I suppose that is true. You know, we often we've we've wrestled with the question before: is the need the call? Is there's a, there's a tremendous need for people to be uh, adopted, for children to be adopted mm-hmm. domestically and uh, overseas. So it's tremendous need. And, and and if you're a person who says, why would you adopt overseas when there is a need here in America? I would just remind you, God is not an American. So don't question somebody who feels called to adopt overseas any more than you'd question somebody who feels called to adopt in America. God does not call us to love Americans most. God calls us to uh, love children. God calls us to orphans. And a- after that message, uh, I heard of a, a family in our congregation that did not feel called to uh, adopt uh, an orphan, but because of your challenge to the congregation, they gave themselves more and more and more to widow care, mm-hmm. which I, 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 I applaud. I think that's a, that's a great thing. But bottom line is we are called not to words. We are called to action in regards to orphans. We are called to action in regards to widows. And I, I'll give you guys one action you can take right now. Um, that will help, and it's something that, my, that that I think all of all three of our families here, uh, and even our, our our studio audience is is involved in. There is a couple in the Hall of Dogma um, on Facebook, Dwayne and Lisa Tucker. They are right now in the the process of adopting um, a child from the Ukraine. They are nine thousand dollars short. Um, they are doing everything possible to raise funds. They are working their tails off. Um, they are doing it so that they can adopt uh, this young lady from the Ukraine um, that that they believe God has called them to. It's it's a it's a teenager. She's a teenager. She's about to opt out of the system, which is not good at all for no, for teenagers in these situations. So. If you're listening to this podcast, um, this is probably going to be the second time you're hearing this call to action, but um, I just want to urge you, look up Dwayne and Lisa in the Hall of Dogma, email us at, uh, you know, however ways, you, many ways you want to contact us, and uh, we have ways to, to donate financially to them. Um, and that's one way you can jump in and help is to financially help uh, a couple that is uh, experienced with adoption and, and is in the process of doing it. And bottom line, they're going to do it once that money is raised. So uh, help, send money. I mean, that doesn't go to us. That We're not asking for an offering or anything like that. But I can, without shame and with some level of hopeful persuasion, say, that is good ground to sow into, and and you sending money to that would not be a waste of your money. It would be participating in the care of widows and orphans. Amen. The gospel friends at gmail dot com. Perfect. All right, I guys. can talk about orphan care for a long time. We Sorry. could, we could. David, you have any interesting uh, happenings on social media to talk about? Friend requests or anything like that? Well, I, I, I just received an interesting friend's request well, um, about a week ago. Not actually, just got it. Right, a week ago. About a week ago. Okay, yeah. I just got a friend's request about a week ago uh-huh. from a mutual <laughs> friend of yours. Time it, travel. It was a, um, um, you know, I, I get these all the time, people that I don't know. Yeah. I've never heard of them before, yep. either overseas or 
wherever, yeah. and um, and then it'll have one mutual friend, Chase Thompson. Well, so one of your mutual, <laughs> one of your friends, Chase, um, reached out to me and sent a friend request. Could be interesting. Might be. I'm not going to mention uh, the name of this individual. You might get some benefits out of uh, this particular one. I understand that they're uh, fans of the podcast. Are they? Yep. All right. Active fans. Nick, let's wrap up. Let's. Actually, we've already done. Talk about the person. I I don't know that we should. Nope. Sure. Probably not. I actually think you should probably end up editing editing all of this out. Ah, why? Live a little, Nick. (laughs) Hey, do you have a question for my wife? Well, you do. Oh, do I? <laughs> okay. You do. I'm going to ask my wife a question now. <laughs> well, real quick, before before you do that, um, if you'd like to berate us for something in this episode. Actually, we, we've already done contact info. Your at wife At the beginning, didn't. but when we do it, close it we out. We do it at the end, too. We do Next it both? Right. Okay. This, yeah, this, I just, this episode's been like three hours. It really has. If you're listening to this, you probably need to know how to get in touch with us. If you don't, thegospelfriends.com, at mygospelfriends on Twitter. Or the Hall of Dogma at hallofdogma.com. Thanks to, to our studio audience today. Yay. And join us next time on the Gospel Friends when you might hear Allison say, You didn't tell me what to say. <laughs> well done. Jesus is a friend of mine. This is a friend of mine. Alright, we're done. You'll make all that work and edit. You doubt me? Good luck. I know you will. Are you okay? Okay. Go Welcome back. to my world, bro. Sorry. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Somebody um, just tagged me on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> with some embarrassing pictures. I gotta think about what to do about it. Just, just keep going. I'll figure it out. Do we need to get? No, you're making some good points, man. Get it out of the get get it out of our systems. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I'm responding to Kevin. I don't know what you're talking about. I was looking up a Bible verse. <laughs> I missed it. Oh good. <laughs> wow. <coughs> okay. Stop. Here we go. <coughs> Well played, David. Well played. Okay.
All right, here we go. Three, two. All right, ready? Thank you. Tell me when. Now. I can't see it. <laughs> this is beautiful. Sorry. You're doing better than David usually does. Just keep going. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. Sometimes I throw a can at Chase. That makes me feel better. <laughs> Would you like to do that? No, I'm trying. Brought to you this week by John Ronald Ruel Tolkien. Welcome into episode 79 of The Gospel Friends. All right, guys, the wives have cleared the room. Um, so now it's an opportunity for us to talk about what we thought of them. Chase, begin with you. How, did you. how do you think that went? We probably ought to start that over. I was okay. hitting the microphone with plastic Chris Atwood. 